0: Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Hello, we'd like to welcome you to the Mornings with Joel CRE podcast, and we are recording today and broadcasting on uh, the MLK holiday, the Martin Luther King holiday. And uh, ironically enough, some would say that this is quite interesting that we would have this particular podcast on this particular day, because our very special guest, uh, very old acquaintance of mine, Andy Ingram, is here today. He is actually the head of the Minority Real Estate uh, Hotel Board. I'll let you get into more detail about that neighborhood. And uh, we're very, very excited today to be talking about minorities owning hotels, plural, hotels, not just a hotel, right? So, uh, Andy, you've seen this from ground zero, and uh, we want to welcome you to the show today, and thank you so much for being here.
1: My pleasure, Joe. Happy to have you on such a great day, Martin Luther King's birthday. We're excited.
0: Absolutely. And there's a lot to be excited about. You know, Andy, we were just talking offline and uh, we'll we'll dive into this a little bit more about what's going on right now. But just kind of as a little teaser, you mentioned that it's a group of uh, Black business owners that are looking at buying the Trump Hotel in Washington D.C.
1: Is that oh, correct? Yeah. Did
0: I hear it correctly?
1: <laughs> what an irony! Well, first of all, my name is Andy Ingram. I'm the president and founder of the National Association of Black Hotel Owners, Operators, and Developers. In our group, um, we own Just over 2,000 hotels around the country, all major brands, including a number right in your city, um, Joel, in Atlanta. I should also mention that the second and third largest hotel group in the country, these are hotel groups that own assets, uh, either owned or ran by African-American. Park Hotels, which is run chairman, CEO, president is um, Tom Baltimore, one of my board members. Mm -hmm. And the third largest is RLJ, started by Bob Johnson from BET, run by an African-American woman. So I know that we need to get more people of color in this business. But I think, Joel, the question you asked about the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C., there's negotiations ongoing, a group called CGI Merchant out of Miami that raised about $650 million and is now ready to close on the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C., I'm happy to report that the name will be taken off. It
0: will
1: will be a Waldorf if this deal, the deal is not finalized yet, but if this deal goes through, it will be a Waldorf, um, which is a Hilton brand. Hilton has been a great partner with us in Napa, one of our founding partners, and typically all the major hotel brands, whether they're Hilton, Marriott, IHG, which is right in your backyard, Choice, Wyndham, all of the hotel brands, for the most part, have joined us. We started back in two thousand one. As a matter of fact, we were formed right outside of Atlanta in a city called Peachtree City. At that time, we six of us, seven of us, got together, and I came up with the idea about creating this group. We had, we at that time owned the Choice Hotel in Peachtree City, and we went from one hotel to just over 2,000 hotels. And on track in the next five years, we intend to have 500 new properties. But not only that, and I think something you said earlier, our goal is simply to make sure that there are other opportunities for commercial real estate brokers, hotel brokers. For example, there are only six, seven African-American hotel brokers in the country. Our goal is to make sure that women, people of color will have access to the opportunity. Whether you sell a widget, there's a young lady in Atlanta um, by the name uh, Carrie Cookies. She came to our event last year. We introduced her to a number of folks in the hotel industry. And today she's making a way to sell products to the hotel sector. So I think for us, Part of it is whether we're looking at commercial real estate, whether we're looking at selling widgets to the hotel industry, or in the case, whether we're looking at more minorities and women in executive positions. Um, We're launching the job board this, I think, in the next first quarter. Actually, this month, I've been told. We're Mm -hmm. launching our job board, and it'll be the only place where the industry can go and find people of color if they're looking for a GM, a chef, whatever they're looking for. So I tell people, I don't want to hear the old story that I hear all the time. Mm -hmm. We can't find people of color. We can't find women. That is going to be something that we put a a priority on. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, our big announcement this year. If American Express, Delta Airlines, or Tanya is looking for a Black-owned hotel, they will be able to go to Napa and book that as if they were on Hilton site, Marriott site, Choice site. So we're, we're, we're trying to revolutionize the market at the same time enrich our community.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. And Andy, I'm I'm very impressed with the, the work you've been doing. And uh, let's go back in, in time a little bit and, and talk about how we actually got here. You know, one of the things that we've talked about, Andy, as you know, is Uh, the lack of minorities in commercial real estate, and commercial real estate is so diverse. How did you even get started in the hotel space, you know, and and get this focus, obviously having strong ties to the Bahamas as well? I mean, how did all this come about to get you to where you are today?
1: You know, interesting, coming from the Caribbean and specifically the Bahamas, having spent um, a long time in the tourism industry, I kept track of all the money that was being spent.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then back in 1999, Damon John and Keith Klingscale Mm -hmm. approached me and asked if I would um, put on an event for them somewhere in the Caribbean. And they gave me a very healthy budget north of a million dollars. And I looked at it and I had to secure a hotel. I made a critical error. I gave them a date only to discover during that period of time hotels were closed. In this case, it was St. Martin. Okay. So every year, they just close the hotel for a month. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> and they take vacation. Wow. So here I am, it's this great away. hotel. <laughs> I know, I know. So this great hotel, closed. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm stuck. I've got a date, already started marketing, critical error. Mm-hmm. So I said to the guy, I need to get this date. And the fella said to me, listen, uh, I can't sell you three days or four days. I can sell you a week to bring the whole staff and you've got, you have to lease the whole hotel. Mm -hmm. So I started negotiating and all of a sudden the money we were paying and what we were getting, it gave me an idea. Mm -hmm. And that idea, we own these assets. They tend to be very lucrative. And so I called a number of friends And we started discussion. And at that time, we had Daryl Thompson. Mm -hmm. Darnell Thompson, who lived in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. played for the Indianapolis Colts, was in the McDonald's restaurant business. And I said, hey, we should all get together and and invest and buy hotels. Mm -hmm. And back, started 1999, a discussion in Beach Street City. And today, that's where we are. It's a simple process. When you look at the matrix, you're buying a big house. The difference with a hotel and a house, all your relatives that come to your hotel have to pay. Yeah. If they come to your house, they stay free. Right. So, you know, to us, it was a, and it made sense. At that time, we looked around at what is the expenditure of dollars by African Americans? Where's tourism growing? And if you look at the trajectory, in spite of Corona, in spite of this virus, it's a tough time for our business. But there's going to be a growth in the hotel industry based on really simple facts. The, the population is expanding. People want to travel, more disposable income. Mm-hmm. And so when you go from 1999, $30 billion being spent by travelers, people of color. Today, 124, $127.4 billion dollars are spent by people of color. I mean, to the fact today, every just about every major Fortune 500 company has made a commitment to diversity spend. Well, part of that commitment to diversity spend is spending money in the travel industry and therefore spending money with African-American-owned hotels. I mean, right in your city, Delta Airlines, great mm-hmm. corporate partner, came to us and said, hey, listen, we've got to identify these Black-owned hotels because we want to put our crew up. We want to put our distressed passengers up. We want to do business. And so for us, when we looked beyond where we started, we clearly understood where we were going. The other big thing, we are able, and every year, as you know, we bring about 100 young people from HBCUs and other hospitality schools around the country, and we expose them to this industry. When I was a kid growing up in the Bahamas, my mother made it very clear, you are not going to work in the hotel business. And when I became an adult, I asked why. And her her matrix is very simple. And she said, only people she knew were the dormants, the maids, and by the way, there's no problem with being a dormant or maid or housekeeper at a hotel. At that time, she didn't see executives. And what we say today in our business we want to make sure there's some upward mobility, whether there be brokers, whether they be finance people, general managers, the whole list. Our goal is to make sure that if there's a Tom Baltimore that can run Park Hotels or Leslie Hale that can run RLJ, there must be a guy like Evans Charles who owned the hotel downtown Atlanta, mm-hmm. a young African-American kid from Washington, D.C. that grew up on the wrong side of town whose mother came here as an immigrant can get into this business. And he started right on 85 in Claremont at a previous hotel on that corner, of that nice Marriott, um, Century yeah. City. Mm-hmm. And Evans today is now working on a $600 million mixed-use development after closing, right, right after COVID, on a $57 million Western hotel at Baltimore International Airport. Hmm. So there's there's a transition. And by the way, I know these numbers sound big, but they begin with very very small groups of young people that get together and pool resources. Let me go back to Evans. Evans' first deal was less than three million dollars. He came yeah, to I Atlanta. remember that
0: deal, by the way.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I remember he it. Yeah. Atlanta. <laughs> we put him with four other guys. They each yeah. chipped in. I think at that time they needed about 15%. Mm-hmm. So they came up with about $400,000 and they got into the hotel business. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 He's, he's done well. He's done well. Matter of fact, he's supposed to be an upcoming guest in a couple months. So uh, we look forward to having him here. He but, will do um,
1: well. He's done a great job and he has great insight and mm-hmm. you're going to see big things from him going forward. But back to the Trump hotel, mm-hmm. you know, buying a trophy asset blocks from the white house that used to be owned by the former president will be rebranded and an African-American group is now, will not, will then become the owner of that group. And by the way, they're very capable. They've got two hotels in Miami, one downtown Miami called the Gabriel Miami and another one on South beach called the Gabriel South beach, by the way, all part of the Hilton brand.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. So let me ask this. Um, You know, after uh, the whole George Floyd thing, there was so much talk about putting more money out to uh, invest in black businesses and whatnot. Have you seen any of that flow toward the hotel space as regards uh, minority investors?
1: Not really. Um, I think the unfortunate part about George Floyd is the incident happened. It was a wake-up call for America. Mm-hmm. People felt guilty. But I've always said, is it a movement or is it a moment? I see. I, I know there's been a tremendous amount of change, even for individuals. I mean, to have that national picture play out in the minds of people of goodwill all over the country, <clears throat> you couldn't do anything but have a moment where you had to really introspectively look at yourself and look at what you do. And I think America did that. I I think the challenge is that if we don't keep the pressure on, when I say we, we as a society, whether we're black, white or blue, Mm -hmm. that we tend to forget. And it's yesterday's news. Now, some companies have made a commitment. A lot of the hotel companies, I can talk about them because we said to them, well, look at your executive team. Look mm-hmm. at your board, tape. I was out with a couple of friends, um, Warren Thompson and a group of us this weekend, and we were looking and talking about how can we get more African-Americans on major boards at Fortune 500 companies. You've seen some movement there, but you've not, in my opinion, you've not seen what they committed, what was committed or talked about is people giving us a way to, to change our economic foundation. And that is putting money, making it available. You you hear a lot of talk about it, but you also run into a lot of obstacles. But I can tell you this that our group and individuals that we work with um, historically black schools, partners, the brands we're all committed to ensure that the fabric of our industry changes forever. We want more diversity. We want more brokers. We want more women. We want more young people. Like like my mother said, because she didn't see the people that were at the head of the organization, we at NAPA are committed to bring these young people in where they can see the Norm Jenkins, the Tom <coughs> Baltimore's, the Raul Thomases, the Warren Thompson. And, you know, by the way, right in your city, CGI, Raul Thompson, Euclid Walker, they're building a product right on the campuses, at Morris Brown, the AU, not particularly on Morris Brown, the but AU the Center. AU, AU, Center. So yeah. there's an African American hotel going there, and let me let me just say this: there's a young man who is one of the few civil rights freedom riders still alive in Stone Mountain, Georgia, by the name of Hank Thomas. Mm-hmm. Hank Thomas approached us years ago by putting a hotel there. Hank Thomas, um, one of three riders still alive. I mean, I and a student at Howard University, and I asked him, at 18 years old, what were you thinking to leave the safety of Howard University and go ride the South? And it was that important to him in terms of opportunity and goodwill for people of color. And so what we do today, we stand on his back and I salute him. He's not in good health, but lives in Atlanta and Stone Mountain. I salute him and his lovely wife, Yvonne. Because what I do is pale in comparison to what they start. They started way back during the civil rights movement.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Andy, you know, it's, um, it's you know, obviously I know a lot of your, your board members and it's very impressive what you guys have been able to do. But for the sake of our audience and, and the listening audience as well, who are some of these individuals? Like you mentioned Tom Baltimore. Many individuals might not know exactly who he is. Who is Leslie Hale? Just, just give us a little background on, on why you mentioned these names and, and why it's so impressive and important for uh, individuals to know who these are. And the reason why I asked this, Andy, is because of what you just said about exposure. You look at um, New York City for an example. Most people don't know that Harlem is about, I think, two to three miles away from Billionaire's Row.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yet, and still... Kids that grew up in Harlem would never even think that they could ever be on Billionaire's Row because they just simply aren't exposed to those possibilities, even though it's a few blocks away. So the, the fact that there are individuals doing amazing, tremendous things in the real estate space, in the hotel space specifically, I think is very important. So who are these individuals that actually sit on your board Who and, and what have they accomplished? You know, just some of those names that sit on your board that make NAPLIT so influential.
1: Great. Well, You know, not necessarily any particular order, but obviously um, Tom Baltimore, incredible talent, heads of the second largest hotel company in the United States in the hotel business. Um, When Tom Baltimore, who used to work at Marriott and Hilton, Mm -hmm. when Hilton decided to, and by the way, whether it's a Marriott or Hilton or Choice, these hotels, these companies don't own any brick and mortar. So when Hilton decided to divest itself of all of its Hilton hotels around the world, around the United States, it was Tom Baltimore that ch- stepped in as chairman of that company, president, and CEO, and took over all those assets, creating a public company from it. Think about it. When RLJ, Bob Johnson sold B team got into the hotel business, he tapped Tom Baltimore mm-hmm because Bob didn't know anything, and Tom Baltimore built a small company of about six or seven hotels to a powerhouse called RLJ today, and took it public. When Tom left, uh, another, uh, Russ Birkin, another guy that started RLJ with him, became president. Russ left about a year or so later, and Leslie Hale, who at that time was a vice president, became the only African-American woman in the country to lead a publicly traded hotel company. My chairman is Kent Farron. Kent Farron is a young kid that grew up in Compton in South LA, tough neighborhood, went to a great school called Harvard, went into the capital markets, he financed and built the Ritz I'm sorry, the Four Seasons in Nevis, owned a number of hotels around the country, and quite frankly, continued to grow his portfolio. Warren Fields um, out of Boston, the president of um, Pyramid. At one point, Pyramid used to own the Doral, which is currently owned by the Trump Organization, which I'm sure will be sold sometime soon. Mm -hmm. But Warren owns probably the seventh or eighth largest hotel company in the United States. And by the way, all these individuals started either working for a major hotel company. Remember, Norm Jenkins. Norm Jenkins owned the largest hotel in Washington D.C., an 1,175-room Marriott Marquis, built a couple of years ago at a cost of some 545 million dollars, with the district being a public-private partner. And again, there's reasons for this. The district put in some 220 million dollars. Why did they do that? They built a convention center. They needed a convention. Center Hotel. This hotel became a is a Marriott Marquee attached to the convention center mm-hmm. by Underground Walkway. It allowed the city to bring more business into Washington, D.C., therefore to create more opportunity for its residents. That project also created more jobs for the local community, which is part of the city's commitment. And so you mentioned Harlem. I should mention Don Peoples. Don Peoples, the first African American to build a hotel in Washington D.C. I'm sorry, in South Beach.
0: Yeah, Miami. Um, yeah,
1: in Miami, South
0: That's
1: Beach. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today, that hotel changed hands. Tom Baltimore just acquired, so it's now back into oh, okay. African American groups. So Tom owns that. You mentioned Harlem earlier. Think about it. Craig Livingston, mm-hmm. uh, young capital guy just built a renaissance north of $150 million right next to the Apollo Theater. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, that hotel is housing the Apollo business team, and they're able to lease space for groups coming into Harlem at the Apollo Theater. It's a great mixed-use restaurant, public space for community organizations, and it also has some residential components. And so I'm sure I'm going to miss some people, but the list goes on and on of young people, both men and women, that have joined us and typically have been very supportive. Now, I should say that when I talked about earlier every major brand, whether it's Hilton, whether it's Marriott, whether it's Choice, you know, a couple of years ago, we had the president of Hilton back in 2019, where Raul Thomas I'm from CGI, who's buying the Trump Hotel Met with Chris Setta, been very supportive. The last year, we had the president of Hyatt, the president of Choice, the president of Wyndham, and Wyndham announced from our location their new brand, nice, inclusive brand that they're working on. I'm, I'm missing somebody, Ron. Of course, we had four presidents, and there's so many names mm. that we have. I try to stay on top of it.
0: Um, this is all good. We just wanted to get the flavor of it so that people could at least know the names that you were putting out there in case they they weren't known, because you know, like a Leslie Hill, most people don't even know what what she's accomplished. You know, I've known Leslie Leslie for years since she was a vice president, and she's come a long way, which is which is really fantastic. So, couple couple things that I, I want to cover um before we open it up for Q and A. You talked about the uh, website. I just want to go a little bit deeper into that. It's going to be a site, I'm assuming it's on the NABHOOD site, where these different uh, hotel brands can go and find minorities uh, to handle services for those hotels. Is, is that correct? Especially in Super the front space and others. Okay. Can you elaborate Everything, on
1: that? Sure. Everything flows to www.NABHOOD, nabhoo or mm-hmm. .NET, wherever you want to go. And so these will be portals and tabs on the site. Whether you want to book a hotel, find a job, um, read our newsletter, sign up, become a member—all of that will go through now. But The beauty that we see as a next generation of leaders, um, we made a commitment way back to create a new generation of diverse leaders. And every year we bring these young people in. Well, I always tell folks that it's great to have an education needed, but now we've got to get you in the job market and become an art, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to prepare to help help you make that transition. And so when we look at the amount of students that have passed through our doors and what they're doing today, you know, I'm always shocked. I spoke to a young lady the other day at the Hyatt in the Bahamas, and she reminded me that her first experience in the industry is going through our program. And today she's now the, the assistant director of HR. And so for us, part of where when we created this website, we wanted to be not just a one stop, but a shop that really works. And so you saw earlier this year, Marriott giving some money to Harvard University, Uh, the dean at Harvard University, um, Dean Wilmont and Aaron Harvey, the provost, talking with them. And they were really going to focus on a couple of things. Real estate, which is what you're talking about. Ownership. And finance. Those are three of the areas that we as minorities and people of color are almost non-existent. I mean, you think about it, there's about 58,000 hotels in the United States today. 60% of those are owned by the Asian American hotel owners, by the way, which is located mm-hmm. right in your city in Atlanta. They're headquartered there. Mm-hmm. I should tell you that now put And Ahoa, the Asian American hotel companies, have partnered from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, Mike Patel from Diplomat Hotels and Jay Patel out of Pensacola were some of the founding members and friends of mine from day one in Peachtree City. I always mention, I didn't know what Peachtree City is Mm -hmm. when I arrived in Atlanta at the airport. It was Jay Patel that picked me up and took us (laughs) over to Peachtree City. Yeah. But no, our commitment from the website is whether you want to book one hotel room, a thousand hotel rooms on RFP, we've got to find a way to harness the amount of money that we as people of color spend. You know, when I think of the Divine Nine and some of the expenditure, I'm always saddened by the fact that we can weaponize our collective economic spend. To make it better for people and create markets. And imagine if you walked into a building and you want to buy a hotel out and there's no black people working. It, and then you say to the hotel owners or the hotel manager, well, you have no people of color. If you start hiring people of color, then you can get my business. What a sea change! And I hope I can say this. Many years ago, the NAACP was looking to do a board meeting in a city I won't mention and a hotel brand I won't mention. But they came in and my good friend, Anna Ponte, who's now retired, a planner with the NAACP, said, I don't see any people of color. And I remember getting a call from that city manager and asked if they can do that. And I said to him, it's their money. They could spend it with whoever they want. Unfortunately, that NAACP group did not go to that city, but that city made an effort, and within within a few months had a had a Africa a black hotel committee to study the problems and make it right. Hmm. So there, there there are ways that we can help each other help ourselves. You talk about the people you want in real estate. I want to see how we could help more diverse commercial real estate brokers, more diverse hotel brokers. And the company escaped me, but there was a young lady, young African-American woman in Atlanta that had partnered with us a few years ago to try to see how we can get more commercial real estate brokers into the business. I'll be happy to go and research that and get involved if she's still there, but get her firm involved yeah. in the process that you're doing. By the way, Great work, Joe. Good job. Thanks for your leadership and your foresight.
0: Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. Thank you, Andy. So as we uh, kind of round out this conversation, because we will open up in a little bit, I wanted to talk about one other thing real quick. Um, As you know, I'm a capital markets guy. I have been for a long time. But to the audience, and because of your depth of experience, I want another perspective on this. How would you suggest individuals, even on this call or listening to this podcast, Get involved. If you want to own a hotel, how do you buy a hotel? For most people, it just sounds like such a wild, abstract thing. How could I ever do that? How, how could that be possible for someone in that space or that wants to get into that space to actually buy a hotel? Especially now you know, because the market's depressed, right? This would be a great time to do it.
1: You know, great time to enter the market, have some foresight, um, yeah. have some courage. Um, there's a lot of liquidity. I- I'm amazed at the amount of money that's around. But here's what I tell. Our folks, you would be absolutely surprised when you start talking with your colleagues and friends and relatives and pooling the resources together to begin to build the capital. You don't have to buy a billion-dollar hotel. One of the most profitable components of the hotel industry is select-service hotels. Yeah. These are the town suites, the courtyards, the Hampton Inns. Are they... Expensive. Everything is expensive. But what, what happens a lot of times, and we do this at NABBA, this is really our footprint. We tend to bring three, four, five people together. We get them to think about co-investing, or we get individuals to invest with other groups. But typically, and I let me use Evans Charles, but there are many models. But we, he came to Atlanta. We partnered him with um, Paul Patel, Uh, An Indian guy that he went to school with at Temple, never met him during his time at school, and two other individuals, and they bought their first hotel. Even in Lithonia, there was a, um, God, I can't remember the name of the hotel, right? At the beginning of, um, when you go into, turn off the highway and go into Lithonia, there was a hotel that um, the former president of um, Holiday Inn, was instrumental in getting four young people together, an insurance agent, got it on a barbershop, and you pull the resources. Now, think Something
0: about it. Microtel, like it that micro visit, was micro it? Yeah.
1: yeah, it was Microtel. You okay. hit it right on yeah. the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember the brand mm-hmm. even gave them a manager, a general manager to help run that hotel. Mm-hmm. So you take these, the, you, you start pooling your resources together, number one. Number two, you look around, And somebody always asks me the same question, why we've grown so rapidly and the prospects look so good. Well, what happens across the United States, there are a lot of African-American political leaders and being able to convince those political leaders that you can be a player, you have the capability, being able to partner with a hotel brand. There's so much money, whether it's through a CRA, whether it's through A grant by a city, whether it's a city that needs to have a hotel or a meeting space or whatever they need, those public entities are prepared to partner with groups and, particularly in this time, African Americans. Well, people always ask me, where do you get the information? I'm in Atlanta in March at the Hunter Hotel Conference, Mm -hmm. another great conference, probably about 1,500 people will be there. And typically, we then look to see how we can do business with each other. At these conferences that I attend, and these seminars and these workshops, and for people that are in the business, if they send us a note at MAP or send us a, a an email, we'll be happy to to direct them. Because at the end of the day, it's really about information. And what I tell folks, it is easy to start, and you can start small. Mm-hmm. You can get a sixty-five room hotel. You can get a a brand. And by the way, every major company, whether it's Hilton Marriott, whether it's IHG right in your city, are looking for African-American and minority-owned and women-owned hoteliers. Mm. And they're prepared to provide education. They're prepared to provide incentives. You must have some money. And they want you to be part of their team, as we do. And we're prepared to help with that effort and welcome anybody that have an interest, If you don't have folks, we can put you with other people that may be in your local community. I have created a database of about, well, a database of about 30,000 people, but I've got probably in there, probably close to 3,000 people that say, hey, I've got 50 grand, I've got 100 grand, I've got a million dollars I want to put in the deal. And so we then just play matchmaking, put them all together. Okay. And then we find guys like you that can help us get it financed and find the capital we need to move it to the next level. You do not need to have, if your hotel has cost you $2.5 million, you don't need to have it. You need about, I would say in the market, sometimes between 20 and 30% to put that in. It's just a bigger house, a bigger down payment. That's all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, very good information, Andy. Certainly appreciate those insights. And I'm sure we've, we've got a lot of questions. I'm going to go ahead and, and open up the line now and uh, start taking some of those. So if you have any questions, just uh, put those in the chat or either raise your virtual hand and we'll be happy to uh, get those and open up the lines to uh, any questions that you have. All right. So as we're um, waiting on those to come in, because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of good information that, you know, ones want to participate in. Okay. Actually, and Jerry just uh, raised her hand. So, and Jerry, you have the floor. Good morning. Awesome.
2: Good morning, uh, Andy. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, this has been outstanding information. I have a curiosity. I, I've, you know, actually have a friend who actually, you know, partnered a, a African American woman partnered with another African American woman to here in Atlanta uh, to buy some uh, hotel property outside of the city you know and we've lauded that and it's been fantastic and I'm more than pleased to hear about the other African American women who are making strides in the hotel industry and yes we know there's definitely room for more and I love the way you broke it down to really uh have us experience through your conversation the attainability and then the opportunity to have the you know, have this type of property and have it be profitable. My question, you talked about, you know, really making sure we just kind of put together people for the initial, you know, down payment. But I guess I'm, you know, my my question that came up was as far as operating expenses, what type of operating or startup capital, what percentage, you know, per door or per unit would we need to anticipate funding? And would we do that through the capital raise? with our
1: small group. Well, good point. And Ms. Warfield, thank you for your question. I forgot to mention Carol Warfield. I hope he's related to you. <laughs> with Dale and one of our founding members in Peachtree City out of D.C. But here's the beauty about getting into the hotel business. You don't get in there by yourself. If you partner with individuals and come in with a major brand, number one, typically, Folks at NABHOOD, folks, and most of my folks are really hotel owners and hotel investors. We bring in what we call third-party companies who manage the day-to-day operation of our properties or the brands can do that. When you go for capital raise and you say you're raising mm, $4 million, $5 million, within that raise, it is inclusive of everything it takes to make that hotel successful. Here's the beauty: When you're doing these feasibility studies and doing these projections, you're going to know exactly what that property is going to project in terms of capital, um, so in terms of profit, so you can cover your debt service. The beauty about the brands is they want to be successful. If you go and talk to an IHG right in your city, they're going to walk you through and help you and provide you with the sort of guidance as we do. Whether it's a qualified GM to run that property, depending on size, whether it's a management group that will help you manage it, they're going to give you all the tools and take all of the guesswork out. And here's the reason. It doesn't benefit a Hilton or Marriott or an IHG or a Holiday Inn or a Wyndham for you not to be successful. And so the capital that you're putting together is not enough, we'll tell you. And in some cases, if it's not enough, they may be able to provide an additional incentive to make sure you have all the capital to run and operate that hotel successfully. So my suggestion is that maybe you want to sign up for one of our workshops. Um, Our workshops are free. Um, We have a number of virtual workshops. Um, We do, with COVID, we've, we've stopped in person, but we do, I believe, two at IHG or three Um, three at Marriott, three at Hilton. And once we qualify those individuals, we then would um, provide them with an opportunity to attend the workshop. So we take them to another process as we progress through the chain. But the important factor is that we help you, the brands help you, the third party help you. There's so many resources to make sure you have the right tools to get into this business and more importantly, to be successful.
2: That's awesome. Thank you so much. And if you would um, make sure, you know, maybe put that information in the chat where we could sign up or make sure you give it to Joel so we could, you know, let other people in our organizations know, that would be awesome.
1: I'm going to put our website and our email and then that everybody can send questions if they have it or you can talk to Joel. Yeah,
0: yeah they've asked you to put that back in the uh, in the chat if you could put that. Uh, in the chat or, or virtually. Okay. All right. Either way, I got in these uh, websites. I'll make sure everyone gets it. If it. There we go. All right. Pops up in the chat there. So thank you for that. Let's go to another question. Uh, Quinn Green had one. Thank you and Jerry for participating there. Quinn wanted to know, what is a realistic amount of capital needed to co-invest in hotel properties? I guess let's ask that first because there's two questions here. Uh, Quinn, feel free to jump in at any point in time. But Andy, what would you say that obviously um, it's going to depend on the size of the hotel and type of hotel, but how, how would you answer that, Andy?
1: Yeah, it depends on the size, the costs of the hotel. And remember, keep in mind, your investment dictates your ownership portion of the hotel. In a larger hotel, obviously, there's a lot more capital if you want to really gain a substantial part. But there's really no, you know, there are groups that are you know, doing $10,000. I mean, a lot of our guys tend to want to do hotels that have a a larger capital buy-in. So whether it's a couple of hundred thousand dollars or whether it's uh, half a million or a million dollars, or whether it's, you know, a $100,000, depending on the nature and the size and the cost of that property, entry levels are open across the board. The one thing I tell people is that, you know, if you have a smaller hotel, there's some good parts of that. There's small parts that if you have a smaller investment, then you just have a smaller ownership. I don't want you to think that if you have a three, if you're raising $300,000 and you put in 50 bucks and you, <laughs> want dictate, you want to dictate the terms, that's not going to work.
0: It's not going to happen. No.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: All right, well, that makes sense. And I, I want to circle back to a, a point made there, but let, let's get his other question in. It is, uh, are there any of the experienced hotel owners, developers of color sponsoring the next wave of talent into the business? And if so, how do you get plugged in? So how would you answer but,
1: that, Andy? That's uh-huh. a good question. Looking around for diverse, a new generation of diverse leaders. Every year, we bring in young people from hospitality schools, HBCU schools from around the country. These are our next generation of leaders, of investors, executive level employees. We've got a huge commitment in having more Black owned executives, particularly general managers, because general managers could function as I like to say the mayor of a the city, than the mayor of a hotel. Um, you take uh, in South Florida, for example, a vexing situation to me. In the whole of South Florida, we have less than five black GMs. Well, that's something that we've been dealing with. We want to change because if you go to the Hilton, the 600-room Hilton at um, the Miami airport run by a good friend by the name of Michael Hooper, Michael Hooper has the capacity to do business with small vendors around the area. He has the capacity to affect local hiring. Uh, that can help us change. But going back to the original question, Mm -hmm. we are committed to bring the next generation of leaders. And let me go a step further. We've also created educational funds. Um, We have a program to work in called the Alliance with FIU and a number of HBCUs where we begin to really focus on raising capital, on ownership. Um, I mentioned I believe it was $15 million that Marriott gave Howard University, who's going to focus again on real estate. So we work in partnerships with a number of organizations because we're very clear. That is, it is not, we're not the end all in everything. We've got to have, we've got to create an opportunity for young people and people that want to be in this business to come behind us. So we create that successive plan going forward.
0: Okay, all right, Quinn, hopefully that that answers your question about that. You have one other question. I'm going to jump to Monica right quick and then I'll come right back to you, Quinn. Monica, can you uh, ask your question, Monica?
3: Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. And thank you, Andy, for being here with us. I'm never quite able to find a, a person of color to speak with about hotel and commercial real estate. My first listing in commercial real estate was a hotel. And it was a very interesting experience because I had to learn everything on my own. It was very interesting also because the person who owned the hotel was an Indian woman which is unusual in her experience and mine too. (laughs) And it was an experience in which we had to learn together on that deal. And I'm still doing some hotel. I'm currently marketing property in which a community wants a hotel built on this property, my question is: How do I connect with other people of color who are doing hotels in this in in commercial real estate? And um, what are some good next steps for me to really evolve and grow in this industry?
1: Sure. Good, good question. question. <laughs> right. <Navajo>. right. <laughs> well, now, but but where where are you located? Atlanta. Well, in March there's the Hunter Hotel Conference. If you go to hunterhotels.com, it's a great conference that you can that you can um sign on to and attend. And also, obviously, you can come to Navhood where you can meet people. I mean, I I've been told that we're the only organization where you can walk in and find people of color that have similar interests. But also, you mentioned the Indian lady. AHOA, which is headquartered in Atlanta, has a number of workshops. All of these organizations, with the exception of Hunter, is membership. And so if you join these, you'll have access to many folks that are there. Unfortunately, we don't normally see a lot of people at a lot of these organizational summits and conferences. AHOA members, um, headed up by a good friend of mine, named Vinay Patel, who, by the way, him and a bunch of his friends in the Bahamas having a good time today while I'm working. But Ahoa, those members own 60% of all the hotels in the United States. They've they've really fine-tuned the issue of investing with friends and family, putting together the sort of dollars that they need to invest with. It's worked extremely well. In the commercial side, So if you've sold hotels in the past, it's a really specialized business. Um, You mentioned cities that own, that want hotels. I always tell people I've never met a city that does not want a hotel. The problem that it doesn't always work, nor it may be too risky. The numbers may not be there. So when sometimes somebody says, I want to put a hotel in HB City, I asked them, well, let me take a look at the feasibility study. That's a you know, maybe a five to $7,000 document that you go out and have somebody go back and say, here is the compelling reasons why a hotel will work in that space. The other issue in buying a hotel, it, it is really a specialized field. If I'm buying the hotel that just closed down the street or a new site, I need a lot of information. Why did it close? How is the market? Who's coming into the market? How many other brands are coming there? And sometimes if you're not in the industry, it's not like a house. I see a house that I like, I want to buy it. I see a building I like, I don't care. I need to have, and most hotel owners will tell you, I need to know all of the relevant information. I'm not going to buy an existing property that is losing its flag in three years and a new property that's coming in is going to take that flag. My broker needs to be plugged into all that information. That's where it's good to be in the industry. It's good to talk to analysts. It's good to talk to brands. And, you know, one of the largest deal that was ever done for an African-American group is a is a is a an amount north of a billion dollars when Bob Johnson at the RLJ bought a billion dollars worth of hotel from White Lodging. That deal was done by Hodges Watt and Elliott, a brokerage firm right in Buckhead. White Lodging was not in the market of selling hotels. They owned a bunch of hotels. RLJ just looked, Tom Baltimore headed that transaction, but because they all had a relationship, the folks at Hodges, Warren Elliot, uh, Mark Elliot, who helped on this deal, headed this deal. They both knew one knew Tom. I mean, they both knew Mark knew Tom, and also knew the president of White Lodging. And the deal is done. So our industry is a small industry. It's very connected. You know, we probably know ninety percent of everybody that's in the business. But, and that's where the, the networking is so important, attending NABhood. I mean, think about it. This past year, we, I mentioned we had four grand presidents, president of Choice, president of Wyndham, president of Hyatt, all attending our conference. There must be some sort of value. But what I've been told, it's the only place where they can meet African-Americans that are, that are serious about the business. So I would encourage you to. I, I just put my, and this is a danger. let me put my office number too, 954 7977. So I, 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 I'm, I'm doing this because Joe is a friend. <laughs> I just put my cell number and my office number in the chat. But you can all, my suggestion is send us an email, go to our website. But if you have a question that needs emergency, I'm always available to answer a question and be happy to do it.
3: Thank you so uh, much. <clears throat> appreciate
1: you. Appreciate that.
0: All right. We've got um, a couple of other questions here. Uh, Quinn had one other. Let's see if we could ask this one right quick. Also, what resources are available for those who want to get into the development aspect of the hotel space? You may have covered that to some degree. I guess it's kind of overlapping whether you want to buy or develop. But how, how would you answer that? Uh, Andy, in the last uh, five minutes or so that we have.
1: Sure, A lot of, and I'll be very quick. A lot of resources. As I mentioned, the brands uh, provide incentives. Um, the caller before talked about cities that want to get into the business. They provide incentives to get into business. And there's some other resources um, that are out in the marketplace that will help individuals bridge that, um, that equity gap. Joel, you know this when you go in the capital markets you need to have X amount of dollars and when that capital stack is put together we've got to put as as many levels of resources that we can to make it work so there may be some credit enhancement from a brand there may be some key money there may be some burn off loans in cities community redevelopment agencies uh, are great tax and tax um I forget the, what are, what are those zones call.
0: Well, you know what, that leads into our next question. So let me just ask you, you're talking about opportunity
1: zones? Exactly. <clears throat>
0: yeah. What, if any, impact have opportunity zones had in the hotel industry overall and specifically among NABHOOD members? So obviously opportunity zones would tie into development as well. So maybe we kill those two birds with, uh, with one stone. So go ahead. What, what were you saying about the opportunity zones?
1: Yeah, opportunity zones, um Listen, they're very specialized. They're like EB-5s. If you're familiar with EB-5s, these are foreign nationals that want to come into the, into the U.S. Norm Jenkins, in some of the development he's done, has got EB-5 money. He's also built um, with CRA money. So all of those can help because they, add, they all add to the amount of dollars that's necessary to make a deal successful. You know, people always say, don't turn down money. As long as as long as long it's good money, um, whether it's coming from a public um, entity like a city, whether it's through an EB-5, whether it's through an opportunity zone, it's all good money that can help bridge that gap that you need to close on that capital stack.
0: Yeah. Well, very good. Well, Andy, let me ask you one last thing before we wrap up, and this is kind of a, a two-part question. Number one, when we look at hotels... And I know this from a capital market side, but a lot of people don't know, they they look at a Ritz-Carlton or a Waldorf and say, I gotta buy that, right? When there's actually more money net-net that could be made in a Wyndham or, or maybe not necessarily a Wyndham, but a um, Hampton Inn or some of the choice flags, for an example, uh, you can find that profitability. So I wanna ask you about that and your thoughts on that. And then also in conclusion, Bob Johnson, he was sitting on a ton of cash, he sold BET. And he decided to go into the hotel business. He didn't go into multifamily. He didn't go into office. He didn't go into all these other things. Why did he go into the hotel space? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> and, and some of the mid-level brands too. I mean, if, if you if you remember,
1: you mentioned Ritz Carlton and all these high-end hotels. Um, the, the most profitable segment of the industry is that it will be called select service. Mm-hmm. These are hotels that don't have restaurants. They, I mean, listen, we're in the rooms business. We sell rooms: a Hampton Inn, a Courtyard. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, and I said this, I say this all the time. If I have a restaurant, we're not an expert in a restaurant. I know a guy named Warren Thompson, who runs the largest food service company, hundreds of restaurants. We get him to come and run the restaurant for us, either through a partnership or through a rental agreement. So, you know, Bob made a strategic. Decision, but here's the critical element. And the caller said, How do we ensure that we're going in the right direction? He brought in a partner called Tom Baltimore. Hilton had the vision to say to Bob, We've got, and Hilton had, had purchased a block of hotels when they own hotels, and they had to get rid of some of the select service hotels. There may have been 12 or so hotels they had to get rid of. And Bob was on the board of directors, he got off. Steve Ballenbach, then the president of Hilton, introduced Tom Baltimore and said, hey, we've got a guy with the expertise that can run your group. And so that's part of the connectivity, putting people together. And Hilton did that with um, Bob Johnson and the rest is history. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Sheila Johnson, the owner of some of the luxury hotels, Salamander, around the country. And remember, the partner on RLJ was Bob, Sheila, and Tom Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And today, the third largest hotel company in the United States. And and think about it. Prior to corona and after corona, we we have a population that's going to continue to expand. We have a society where incomes keep creeping up. And we also have a society that's mobile and wants to travel. Well, guess what? They're going to stay at hotels around the country. You know, prior to well, doing segregation, Black folks can stay, only stay at a certain amount of places where we had the Green Book. Sure. They, they could stay anywhere. And quite frankly, now the digital reservation system is going to become the new Green Book because they're all places that are welcome. But at the end of the day, when you see the growth of where the hotel industry is going there's a company called Brand USA. Brand USA's singular job is to promote travel to the United States from outside the country right after COVID. And once we get through these vaccinations and people please get vaccinated so that we can travel again, you're going to see hundreds of millions of people that want to come to the United States and Brand USA helping them to get here. And so... You know, it's, it's an industry that's going to continue to grow. Why do people get into the hotel? If you get the right advice, get the right partners, bring in the right management companies, and we've got a bunch of them that are partnered with us, some of them are on our website, you are going to be successful. None of the brands want to get into a deal that doesn't work for them. If it doesn't work for them, it won't work for you. So you're right. Forget the Ritz-Carlton's are great. However, if my wife and my granddaughter wants to travel, they want to stay at a Ritz-Carlton. But I don't own a Ritz-Carlton. I want to own, like most investors, something that can give me some cash and be profitable. And those are the select services, the Hamptons, the courtyards. And every brand, every brand has a lot of different segments from the top end, to the economy sector. And by the way, in this market, the Extended Stay, Extended Stay America, they're doing extraordinary well, throwing off a lot of cash. There's people that want to stay and that are still working and traveling. Yeah,
0: well, that's excellent information. And um, the questions keep coming, so we certainly got to have you back, Andy. But uh, that's very, very good information and good to know. You know, one thing that I kind of equate it to is, if you know, a lot of people are wanting to do fix and flips these days. And uh, do you go out and try to flip a $5 million house or would you rather flip a $150,000 house, right? I mean, you have more people in the market to buy that smaller property. And so even the same thing with hotels, you have fewer and fewer people that can afford to stay at the risk call and all these others. So those smaller hotels could do very well without having to put all the expense into all the staff and everything else and the restaurants and all those other things that a a luxury hotel would need. So very, very good information. Let me,
1: let, me just, let me just say about the flip and think about it. When you buy a hotel, you don't hold that hotel forever. Mm-hmm. Typically, three to five years, you take all your capital out. You may put in another deal, but then you're playing with the house money. Right. The value of real estate continues to go up. The value of that property, if it's run well, continues to go up. So now you have a growing portfolio of a successful um, asset that... A, your equity is out, you're now placed it elsewhere, probably in your second or third hotel, but it really works very, very well. And Joel, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm honored Mm -hmm. if we can help. And I'm going to follow up with you about your commercial real estate folks that want to get in and see if we can find some partners to A, do some mentoring, do some partnering, and more importantly, do some hiring where we can begin to get more women and minorities and other folks that are interested in um, this industry. And let me just say this. Navajo is just a vehicle. Our partners are white, black, Chinese, Indian. We just found a great vehicle to really be diverse and be inclusive. And so when you come and look on our stage, you're going to see all hue of Americas on that stage. Our partners are so diverse. Whether domestic or international, we have a huge footprint in the Caribbean. And so, with that in mind, please join us anytime. Um, Joel, if you want to, our next conference is July 20th to the 22nd in Miami. And Joel, we'll be happy to give you a discount uh, code for your listeners. I can get a percentage of registration. Our workshops are free. They can go online and send an email to eskleeman at gate.net or info at nabhood.com, either one of those, and somebody will get back to you.
0: All right. Well, fantastic. Well, Andy, I certainly appreciate it again. This has been outstanding. And all you've been listening to the Mornings with Joel CRE podcast with uh, Andy Ingram of NABhood. It's been an outstanding discussion, Andy, and uh, so much insightful information. I knew this would be unique And again, on a day of of a holiday, basically the Martin Luther King holiday to be talking about minorities owning hotels, plural, around the country is a beautiful thing and around
1: the world. So around the world. Yeah, around
0: the world. So, Annie, thank you so much for being part of this discussion. And we absolutely plan on having you back again.
1: Thank you. Enjoy. Folks, have a great day. Enjoy the holiday.
0: Yes. Thank you all. You've been listening to Mornings with Joel Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.